Uh, this whole month we've been talking about the same thing basically, this issue of unity in the church and community and how we have to get to loving one another. And Man, understand this isn't an optional thing where we go, okay, we're going to try this as a church and if it doesn't work, we'll go back to not caring about each other. It, it, um, we, we can't go anywhere else. We have to push forward on this. Um, remember three weeks ago, I preached out of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. It's that passage where we explain that, you know what, no one out there has seen God. No one on this earth has seen God, but the Bible says if somehow you would love one another, somehow there's some manifestation of God that can be seen and his love can actually dwell amongst us and people can actually get a glimpse of God's love. And we talked about how in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament times, if you wanted to actually physically see God, the only opportunity of that would be if you went to the temple and you went to the Holy of Holies, there was some sort of physical manifestation of of God in that Holy of Holies in the temple. But then in the New Testament, the Bible says, now you collectively are the temple of God. And so he explains that somehow people ought to be able to come into any context where believers are together, whether that's in a church building or it's in your neighborhoods and then believers are gathered, they ought to be able to see the love amongst you and actually get a physical glimpse of the love of God. And then the next week, um, I spoke out of First Peter, First Peter chapter 2 in, uh, in verse 9 where it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And it talks about how God says that we are something that we don't think about a whole lot, but he says you're a chosen race. You're, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. He's not talking about individuals. He's not saying, hey, you're individually pure before him. He goes, no, you've become a part of this body. And, and it's this picture. We explain how, just like in the Old Testament, his desire was not that individual Israelites would be a blessing to the nation, but he wanted Israel as a nation, the way they interacted with one another, the way they obeyed God's law together. He said Israel collectively was going to be a light to the world. In the same way, in the New Testament, he teaches that we now are this holy nation, and we are this chosen people group, and somehow we have to work together to declare this, the, the praises of this glorious God. And remember the illustration we gave is how we've always looked at, uh, in, in America, our, our Christianity is so individualistic. And, and we're not thinking about God's desire and how he wants to develop a people group. And we use the illustration of it's like someone gave you ice skates. You know, when we talk about forgiveness, it's like someone gave you ice skates. So you get so excited that you go to the skating rink and you skate around by yourself doing twirls and really enjoying your skates. And then they come back and you go, no, 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 no. I didn't give you those skates so you could just free skate by yourself. I'm starting a hockey team. 
okay, and you're on that team. We're going to start practicing together. We have a goal together. And in the same way, understand that your forgiveness was not just so you can enjoy this relationship with God. God says, no, I'm forming this holy nation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm creating this people group. It's this idea of together we are actually working together as a team seeking to declare God's praises to the world because you can't do that by yourself. You, you can't, see, I can talk about Jesus on my own, but I can't put him on display on my own. I need a body of people where I'm forgiving you like crazy and someone sees me forgiving you like crazy and going, man, what is that all about? I go, the same thing Jesus did for me. He, he, people need to see me serving you and sacrificing for you and you sacrificing for me and us bearing with one another so they get a physical picture of Jesus and don't just hear a bunch of individual Christians talking about him, but we're actually putting his love, his forgiveness his servanthood on display, his humility by the way that we deal with one another. And then last week, we talked about uh, Jesus and his prayer for us. I mean, that's pretty major. If Jesus is going to pray for the church, what would he pray for? And in John 17, we, we, we studied what he prayed for for the church. And in John 17, verse 23, he says, I and them, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity. To let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The, Jesus in his prayer says a very strange thing where he says, Lord, could you bring the church to total unity? He says, so that the world may know that you sent me and that, that, that you love them just like you love me. And in our minds, that doesn't totally compute. I mean, what does our unity have anything to do with someone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ suddenly believing in him? And I, I don't even know completely. But I have faith that Jesus' words are true. And he says, you know what? You, you think it's apologetics. You think it's a clever sermon. You think it's putting on a good program that's going to lead people to Jesus, get people to believe in me. He goes, no, it's when you reach complete unity then the world's going to know that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. And so these aren't optional things that we're talking about, this unity we're talking about. This is the only way to display Christ to the world. This is God's intention from the beginning was to create this people group, this people set apart for himself. And so we need to learn to live with one another in the middle of this very individualistic society that we live in. It's not an option. Last week after this service, um, someone came to me and uh, gave me some kind of sad news. Um, and, and he was telling me about this guy that was going to our church. And I, and, and I remembered him because I remember baptizing him probably about six months ago. It, it was a guy who was uh, in a gang and um, kind of got saved out of the gangs and got baptized here a few months ago. And this guy told him, um, one of our uh, church people, he, he said, you know what, I'm not going to Cornerstone anymore. And he says, why? And he goes, I, he goes, I thought that, he goes, I had a different impression of what church was about. He goes, I thought that when I got baptized that it was like joining a gang. And I thought that it was going to be like family. See, because in the gangs, we like look out for each other. It's not just Sunday morning, Wednesday night. I mean, people were nice to him. He goes, but there wasn't the family thing that I thought I was going to find like in the gangs where we live life together. We got each other's backs. We're, we're, we're together nonstop. And, 
And that was so sad to me because what do you say to that? Because you know that's the way church is supposed to be, right? But would he really find that in any church in America? And what saddened me was that the gangs are a better picture of fellowship than the church of Jesus Christ is. That's not right. Someone should get baptized into this body and he should be, she should be accepted as family. Not just a Sunday morning thing where a few people will greet you, but that they really get jumped in, in a sense, into our gang, into this, this, this group of people, this holy nation, this royal priesthood. That's God's desire. Is that we would be the picture of community. We would be the picture of unity and acceptance and family that's what the church was meant to be. I heard one preacher saying, he goes, you know what? I, I doubt very highly that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was thinking about the Western church. That, oh, you know, one day people will attend services, you know, that they like and sing a few songs until they don't like it. And then they'll go to another church. That that's what he died for. But no, he died for this community of people that would love each other like crazy, that would look at their earthly possessions and say, I could care less about this stuff. You're my eternal brother or sister. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. What's mine is yours and that type of community and that type of love. And as elders and pastors, we're looking at these passages and going, you know what, this isn't optional. We've never felt peace about the way we do church in America. It's nothing like what we see in the book of Acts where there was such a unity, such a love, such a sense of mission and purpose. And so that's where we're going with this church. And I want to look at one more passage today. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, talking about Jesus. Listen to this. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's explained that Jesus put certain leaders on the earth and certain leaders in the church. Why? What I, want you to, what I want you to catch is why do these people exist? It says to prepare God's people for works of service. Do you understand that's the goal? The, the, the goal of Sunday mornings or anything we do at church is not so that you walk away and go, Oh, that was good. I think I'll come back next week. It's, 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 it's not preparing people, preparing God's people to attend church. It's, it's preparing God's people for works of service. That's why we went around with the microphone in the beginning. Okay, what did you actually do this week? What did you do for the body of Christ? And, and to hear, okay, what were the works of service, things you literally did out of love for other people in this body? So that we could build up the body, you know, so the body of Christ may be built up. What did you actually do? So in other words, if you don't do anything with what you hear, then we're failing. Okay? If, if your mindset is, okay, I, I want to attend here, I want to attend there, or maybe I'll attend there, then, then you don't get it. The purpose of a church, the purpose of church leaders is to get you to work to do something with your life. And hopefully that's why you're here, because you're going, I don't want to waste my life. I, I, I want to do something before I stand before God. I was created for good works. There are things for me to do on this earth. And many of us will say, if we're honest, we've wasted a lot of years of life just living for ourselves, being in our own little world. And we're realizing, man, the time's ticking and it's flying by, isn't it? 
Man, every year just goes by quicker and quicker and quicker. And it's like, okay, what, what do I want to do? What I, I want to do because God has given me work to do like we talked about last week. And we have to wake up in the morning saying, God, what is it that you made me to do today? How can I help build others up? How can I, I come up with things to do? And the other thing I want to point out about this passage is not only for you to understand that, but because, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me go back just one step. Traditionally, when people go to church, at least in, in our country, they think to themselves, okay, I'm going to come to church. I'll throw some money in the basket on the way out. And, and, and so if I have any needs, I'm going to call the church and those leaders are going to meet those needs. And if those leaders don't meet those needs, I'm going to be angry and I'll find another church. You know, so I, and it's this whole idea of we pay them to do the work. But that is not biblical. The Bible says is what the leaders do is help you to do the work of the ministry. We prepare you for works of service. Who's the one doing the works of service? It's not the leaders. They're just coming alongside of you because you have a desire to serve God. And we go, okay, let me help you at that. Like maybe you say, you know what, I want to help this couple. You know, it looks like they're, they're going through a divorce and I've had some help there. You know, we've gone through some things. I want to help them, but I don't know how to answer this question. Can you help me with it so I can get back to them? It's this idea of you want to do these works. You're saying, you know what, I want to reach out to my neighbors. I want to do this. And, and I just need a little guidance on this. And you're already doing it. And we're just going, yeah, 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 go, go, go do it. But it's this idea of you doing the works of service. The other thing I love about this is... In the beginning, it says that he gave some to be apostles. And the apostles, best we can understand, they were unique individuals. They were given these gifts. They were, you know, like Paul, where he would go to different places and create these new works and start these churches and be given these miraculous gifts. They would hear messages directly from God. They penned many of the words of Scripture. This other group, he says, then there were these other people that were prophets. And the prophets seemed to be like God's spokespeople. Like the word prophecy is to forth speak. That means to, to say the words that God wanted to say on the earth. And sometimes we think of prophecy just as the future because God would sometimes tell these prophets what's in the future. But more often than not, he was just telling the, the prophets what to say to the people. And so some people were gifted to communicate God's message to the world. And then he says some were meant to be evangelists. Evangelists were those who, who went around spreading the good news of how people could be saved and join this body and join this kingdom. And then there was other people who were gifted as pastors. Pastors is the word shepherd. It's this idea of a person, you know, a shepherd with his sheep. You know, they were the, the people that would stay locally and help that one church body there. And, and really care for their needs and, and build them up. And then others were teachers. Teachers seems like there was a focus on their knowledge. It, it's more of like a, a classroom type of person, a person who could sit with his uh, and teach deeper truths to people. And, and I love this because, see, we've twisted this and see all those different types of people. In America, we expect the pastor to be all of those things, Right? So that if I have a theological question, I'm going to ask him. If I want some counseling, I'm going to ask him. If I want to know how to reach my neighborhood and evangelize them, I'm going to ask him. If we're going to plant the church, 
He's got to do it. You know, and it's all this one person. And, and I love this passage because I'm looking at, and I was looking at uh, Todd and Joshua the other day. Josh runs our, he's, he's the president of our Bible college, and, and Todd's our executive pastor here. And I go, you know what I love about this passage is it takes so much pressure off of me. Um, because, you guys, I, I feel guilty. I, I, I feel guilty because I go, man, I don't know the Hebrew like I used to, or I, I never was that good at it. Maybe I should go back to seminary because I really should, you know, have, have my doctorate in the languages so that if anyone asks me any question, you know, about this Hebrew verb or whatever, I, I want to be able to answer them. And suddenly so I go, wait a second, that's dumb. You know what, I'll just forward those emails to you guys. I mean, you, I, you know, it's like you're the teachers. God didn't give me that mind to, to remember all these details of different things, but that's your, your part of the body. You're supposed to do that. And this whole idea of these different areas where, man, I mean, my life, I, I think my gift is somewhere along that prophetic side where I can go different places and speak. When I, when I, when I read God's word, it's like, man, I, I really sense like he's speaking to me. He just opens my eyes to it and simplifies it so I get it and enables me to simplify it, to help other people get it. And I go, man, I think that's more of my gift. And, and, and so that's why I, my job, I believe, is to go around exercising that gift to the body of Christ at large. So, so on Thursday, I was in, uh, in, in, in San Francisco um, doing that. On, on Friday, I was in Sacramento doing that. Yesterday, I was in Dallas doing that. Tomorrow, I'll be in Atlanta doing that. You see, it's just this whole idea. And today, I'm here hopefully doing that, just saying, you know what? I think this is what God wants for the church. I think this is his desire. And I go and do that. Well, by doing that, that means I can't really also be the guy that's answering theological questions. And so thank God that we have teachers here. I also can't be the person that's counseling everyone in the church. So thank God we have pastors here. And thank God, you know, the body of Christ and that you are being equipped so you can care for people in your own communities and you're actually doing the work of service because churches have fallen apart because they bottleneck and everyone expects this one person to do everything when biblically God says, that's not what I intended for the church or for any one individual. It's a body and it's made up of all of those people. And so... You know, while I used to apologize for not being able to go to all your houses for dinner and answer all your emails and answer all your questions and counsel you all, now I go, oh, well. You know, I, that's, not, that's, that, that's not the way God intended it. I'd love to be able to do everything, and there's a part of me that still tries to do all of those things to some degree, but it's all of us recognizing what is my gift in the body and how am I going to pull that off? Having said that, I'm going to bring our pastors up because what we've done is um, because we understand these passages, we're saying, you know what, there's, there's no way in a church this size, unless we start breaking it down smaller and smaller and smaller, there's no way that we can really adequately care for everyone's needs because we want to. And we, we want to, if you have a need, we want to make sure that you are really well taken care of and not with a one sentence email response from me but a sense in which you have people actually caring for you. So what we've done is we've divided up the congregation um, just so that we can break it down a little easier. And the whole point is so that no one gets left out. So that in every community we know who's attending Cornerstone and we know what's going on in their lives and there are people there to care for them. And so we, we have Matt Moore. Matt is actually working with those of you who um, live outside of Simi Valley 
whether it's Moore Park or Burbank or Santa Barbara, wherever you come from, Matt is your pastor. He's going to help shepherd those people. If you're on the west side from Erringer West of here, west of here, um, <laughs> then uh, Terry is your pastor. If you live in Simi and you're, you're west of Erringer, then Terry's going to be overseeing that area of it. If you're in between uh, Erringer and Tapo Canyon, okay, Erringer and Tapo Canyon, your house is, is somewhere in there, then Bill is your pastor, and he's going to help create leaders in that neighborhood and, uh, and make sure your needs are taken care of. And then if you're on the east side from Tapo Canyon um, all the way through the Knolls, um, that's, uh, that's Steve's area in East Simi. And so I just asked these guys to kind of share their heart for this concept of community and let them share what's going on in the neighborhoods and how you guys can get involved. So we'll start with Steve. Good morning, everybody. Is it starting to make sense? Community, are you starting to get it? We've been talking an awful lot about it. Um, one thing I want to start with is I want to say that this is not a competition that we sit up here, the four of us, and it's not about us. Um, we aren't the community, but you guys are the community. And I want to make that really clear because if it turns into a competition, then it's actually going against what we're trying to accomplish because that wouldn't be a good example to anybody. So we want to make sure that you know that we meet every single week. We talk about what's going on in each other's communities. We rejoice in all the stories that we hear, just like you guys heard this morning. And in fact, the stories you heard this morning, you all clapped, Correct. It didn't matter what community they were in, right? You just clap because things are happening. God's doing good work through his people to claim his glory for himself. And I want to read a passage in Philippians. It's Philippians 2. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And that one purpose is to glorify God, to be as Christ. And that's what we want to do. We want together, collectively, to figure out a way how we can shepherd you guys better, the church better, the people that come here better, that, a way that we can get to know you better, a way that we can practice the one another's. I have the one another's written down here. And these are all biblical. It says, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, accept, instruct Agree with, serve, bear with, speak to, submit to, forgive, encourage, spur one another on, offer hospitality to one another, and fellowship with one another. And that's not even exhaustive. And you can imagine if that's how we act amongst ourselves, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, what an example that would be to the community. Scripture says to let your light shine before men so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And that's what that would be. I mean, they try to figure out what in the world's going on. Why are these people like that? Like the stories you heard this morning. What's going on? What's different about them? It's the love of Christ, what he's done through us. And that's what would make it different. And that's what it's all about. Amen? And there's lots of stories, lots of great things happening. And I get really excited about all the different people that are getting involved in this. And it's already happening. And um, we have one lady, and she was in the last service, so I can share her story um, she heard the message about community. It was a month, month and a half ago. And so she came into one of the pastor's office and she said, okay, 
I'm in your community. I want to get involved. What can I do? Now, she's a widow, and she's retired, and she's 76 years old. And she says, I just want to get involved. Here's my background. I've done nursing. I've worked with elderly and these different things that I do. I just want to get going. So, okay, great. Believe it or not, we had an opportunity. There was a lady that was um, pretty much in her last days over the holiday season, and her son had called the church and said, we need someone for my mom. Can we get some people to come over and visit? And I thought, perfect. This lady would work out perfect. And sure enough, she did. She was over there three days a week praying with, encouraging, and just spending time with this lady. And, I mean, what a blessing that is. The lady's blessed that she's going to visit. She's blessed because she's able to use her gifts that God's given her. You see the blessings just keep pouring out? And what an amazing thing. You know what her challenge was? We had a little short video that we shot that we were going to do for community. And her challenge was this. She says, I'm 76 years old and I'm retired. But that doesn't mean my gifts are retired. We all need to use the gifts that God has given us. Amen? And that's community. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I hate to beat the uh, the drum of competition. Steve mentioned. I just I think that's our biggest fear when when we look at across the board and realize that we have taken Cornerstone and broken it up into four, in essence, different sections, and uh, and to realize that man, I I've, I realize that God has given Cornerstone some godly people, and they're going to go about it in different ways. And I see these guys up here, and I think, oh, I love what he's doing, or I love what he's doing, and I think, how do I do that? But then I realize that's not my makeup. And so each one of us are going to go about it a little bit differently, and I just want you guys to know that going into it. We, uh, if I could put it shortly, I would probably say that we would agree it's love God, love people, reach lost, right? Love God, love people, reach the lost. I think that reaching the lost kind of happens on its own when we are fulfilling the other two, because then we become so intimately unified and in some ways supernaturally unified that people on the outside see us and go, man, I want to be a part of that. And it's not that we don't go share the gospel. It's not that we're not intentional in our lives outside of there. But I think that when we are one, one body, unified in everything we do, caring for one another, that I think people are going to see that and go, there's something unique there, and I want to be a part of that. And, uh, and, and kind of how we've done it is we've broken up into uh, central has been broken up. Actually, really, each of these, these guys have broken up into different groupings within east, west, central, and outside. And, and our goal is that in those smaller groupings in their community that relationships would grow. You know, Steve mentions uh, Romans twelve ten. honor one another. Honor, honor one another above yourself, it says. Man, when you add the other half of that, it's like, whew, man, honor one another above myself. And think how difficult there, that is to do. There's a thousand people in this room. Look across the room and imagine honoring somebody above yourself. And then you realize you don't even know them. So our goal is to allow you guys to come together in a smaller setting so you know each other and you can care for each other and, and really fulfill the, the roles of the body. I remember France gave that message, and he said, all in, right? It was this idea. He slid all chips in. And I've got to look at you guys, realizing that I'm a family of five. I've got three kids. That if anything happened to me, you guys have me, and vice versa. That's who we as the church need to be. Because when we are that, people are going to go, that's wild. I want to be a part of that. So, Thank you, Bill. Um, I just, I go to bed at night, and um, I think about, especially on Sundays, what did people see in church? Did they really see Christ? Did they really see God? And to wrestle with that, to think that, you know, people should see us 
and as we love on them, as we give of ourselves, as, as we meet one another's needs, that should be the picture of the church. But for some reason, it, it, it just, it's uneasy for me at night to think that somebody went to a church and maybe they had a terrible experience, maybe the church was going through hard times or whatever, and to walk away and never darken the uh, foot of the church again. And it just breaks my heart to think of many of my friends who experienced that and just had a bad, many of you probably had a bad experience growing up in the church and to think that that was our only picture of church. And yet, biblically, everything we're talking about community-wise, that is a New Testament in the church, in the early church. And so um, I just want to say what a privilege it is to minister with so many of you over the last five or six months. I've watched God raise up you guys. I've watched many of you be stretched in your faith. I've watched a lot of you. I hear stories every Wednesday morning. And we just rejoice at all, all that God is doing through you. And, and uh, we just story after story where, you know, I, I never saw myself helping uh, a person who was in a hospital. And yet I went. And after we went, we realized what a, you know, how blessed that family was or you know, I, I could fix an extra meal for that person who had surgery. And so we just continue to hear stories. And what, what I'm excited about is when you serve, there's a joy about your relationship with Christ that others get to experience. And I think for many of us, it's, a, it's almost a ripoff. If at the end of the day, our relationship with Christ wasn't the most awesome thing to where the love of Christ, the grace of God that was bestowed upon us, didn't move us to care about Him and others. And just to be a part of that and, and to lay your head at night going, wow, I messed up over here, Lord, and I missed this opportunity, but I had a blast doing it. Yeah, we, we spend like the majority of our time during the week actually trying not to do ministry but doing what that passage is talking about. In other words, we're trying to equip you guys, equip the body to do the ministry. And a lot of times the way I've thought of this whole idea of equipping is let's, let's put someone in a class, let's get them involved in EBC, let's put them through this training. But so much of equipping is just encouraging people to do what they're already good at doing or what they're already uh, capable of doing. Like so many of the guys that we work with and the women that we work with, they've been doing ministry for decades um, many have been doing ministry longer than I've been alive, and uh, some have gone to college, you know, Bible college or seminary. I mean, there's a lot of people that we're working with that are already able, and so it's just releasing them to go and continue doing ministry. And one thing that we're doing in neighborhoods in Simi Valley and outside Simi with uh, different cities and such is we're looking at some key leaders and basically asking them to be like church plant pastors and asking them to be basically a pastor with a whole lot of latitude in their responsibilities. And so in other words, we're looking at some people to do hospital visits, to disciple, to counsel, to do premarital counseling, to do weddings, to do funerals, because we don't necessarily need to be doing that. Not that we can't, but there's so many other people that are more available than us and more qualified than us to do that. And so we're looking at kind of doing these church plants of Cornerstone in different pockets of Simi Valley and outside Simi in these different cities because these Cornerstone uh, little pockets are basically the reputation of this church in those areas. And so we, we've realized that Cornerstone has a great reputation here 
on Sunday morning with the services and everything that takes place, but we really want the reputation of Cornerstone to rest upon what we all are doing midweek. And so if you want to get involved, uh, the best way to get involved is to come to us and let us know maybe what you're already doing or what you want to do and just allow us to come alongside of you and network you with other people that are in your neighborhood or city and just encourage you to keep doing what you're already doing. I understand the concept is... uh, because some, some people have already asked, well, does that mean that my friend, because I live in East Me and I have a friend in West Me, do we have to break up? <laughs> it's like, no, we're not saying to end your relationships. We're, we're saying that we want you to be mindful of your own neighborhood, though, because people in your own neighborhood are being left out. We're asking you, would you be willing to walk down the street and actually love someone on your own block? You know, in addition to your other friends, you don't have to, you know, ditch them. It's just this whole idea of looking at our vision and and we're hoping that, again, what, what's cool is not all of these communities are going to look the same. And in, in, in fact, within each of these areas, it's broken down. Like in Central Simi, where I live, there's like 15 different neighborhoods that Central Simi's broken into. And each of those are going to do things differently. And that's okay. And it's the whole idea of you're actually going to be with people that you, maybe you wouldn't normally hang with. But that's the picture of the body of Christ, is going out and reaching out to, to whomever. And, and, and I hope you don't sit here today and go, oh, man, I wish I lived in EC me, because I'd rather have Steve. You know, it seems nicer. Or you think, oh, I think I'd relate more to Bill, because I'm more of a redneck. You know, or, uh, you, know, you know, like, we'll watch NASCAR together. You know, it's, 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 not, it's not like that, or, you know, or, or Terry, because, you, you know... I, you just like the way he talks. Don't you just love the way he talks? It's just so cool. Y- y- y'all, y'all got to just fix him to wreck and shoot. And, uh, you know, it's just this whole thing. Or, you know, it's, it's, I don't want us to be this broken up, fragmented church. Of the, That's just so, so lame. It's this whole idea of saying, you know what? We're a, we're, we're a part of a body. We're going to work together on this thing. What? Oh, I totally forgot. Um, Terry's going to say something. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Well, in light of what you guys have been hearing this morning, um, as part of the children's ministry, over the past nine, ten months, we've really been praying through everything we do, and does it line up with where we're going as a church? Does it line up with, you know, scripturally, does it line up with this community thing? And so, I just want to say this morning, we have a great opportunity opportunity coming up uh, this summer for uh, VBS is what it's been called Vacation Bible School. This year, in light of our community movement, we just really believe that the best way to bring in 600 to 700 children is to bring them in our backyards. And so we're going to call it Backyard Bible Clubs. And many of you who are here this morning have been involved in VBS for, you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, some have been involved here for a couple of years. And we need you. We need you to sign up. We need you to contact us guys, your community guys. And as we begin laying this out next Sunday from 2.30 to 3.30, we'll be having a meeting in NPR. If you've ever been a chatter leader, a small group leader, if you've ever put together crafts, whatever, you need to be at this meeting. We, we really need to uh, get some information to you. Uh, I hope that you sense excitement from us, all of these guys, uh, all of our staff, elders are behind what we're looking at doing. Um, it's, it's a positive thing. We were looking at uh, numbers and just so, we, you know, we, 
giving you an idea of what we were looking at. As we're praying through uh, this whole, what are we doing as children's ministry developed community? Uh, over the last two years, I've been here about a year and a half. And I came in two years ago, I first saw Cornerstone, it was at kids camp. And uh, when Chuck was leading in, in this past year, we've had over 1,200 children come through our vacation Bible school. And that's a great thing. And, and it's been an awesome week each week. But out of those 1,200, we've had less than 30 visitors. And so um, nothing, you know, really um, alarming about that other than what is VBS really trying to accomplish. And so we want to make sure this year, as we bring Vacation Bible School to the community, that we're giving every kid in Simi Valley an opportunity to connect with their friends from baseball, from, you know, gymnastics or from music lessons or whatever. There's so many opportunities for us to connect with our little friends and to bring them to our home instead of necessarily a church. And so that's one of the things that we really hope to see accomplished. Next Sunday, 2.30 to 3.30, NPR. See you there. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. We're kind of just going old school, retro, backyard, where we're going to have, we're, we're hoping for 30, 40 different vacation Bible studies going on in backyards at once. So your family and several families in the neighborhood are going to get together, you know, maybe some of the teens or whatever will help teach or whatever, and you'll find the kids in the neighborhood and invite them over and do your own little uh, you know, hangout time or whatever else. But you can find out more about that next weekend at 2.30. Um, right now, we're going to just close with one last song. And if anyone today, man, I know we've been talking a lot about this community stuff, but the whole point of this is we want to give you a picture of Jesus Christ. We want to give the world an accurate picture of, of, of the love of Christ. And, and maybe you're, you're beginning to understand this and you go, you know what? I do believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for me. I do believe that I can be forgiven by God. And I do want to join this body of believers. And the, the Bible, in the Bible, people were baptized. They, it, was a, it was a picture of that commitment saying, you know, I'm going to die to the old me. And I'm going to rise and I'm going to live a new life in this community of believers. And if that's your desire, then during the song, as we're singing as a body, man, just come forward. The community pastor is up here to pray with you, to baptize you. Um, but let's stand and let's just, let's just close with this last song.